This is Slashers, or at least the interview portion that I still don't know how to introduce. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time is my new best friend, Mark Torgel. Sir, how are you this sunny morning? Jake, I'm just great. I mean, I'm so glad that, you know, we're best friends and we're able to do this. You know, I've been wanting to do this with you for so long. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, we're able to do it. I was able to, you know, find some time to... Uh, set this up or you set it up find some time you're talking about being busy with your new acting beard what's that all like well it's it's interesting because of covid um i've got a lot of things set up the biggest one is the macabre which is a like a a four point part horror story and i've got a major role in that and i'm i'm uh flying to vegas in i think three weeks to shoot that I've got stuff with James Balsamo, who makes a movie every other week. Yeah, I'm right. in Killer Killer Waves 2, Technically Alive, which is like just um, sort of animation with real life heads. And I'm in that. So it's just like I started growing this beard and suddenly everybody wanted me in their film. Um, the other thing, Hollywood is supposedly doing a remake of Toxic Avenger. Yeah, I keep hearing this and then I don't see any action. What's going on? What's the deets, man? Well, you know, this has been going on for a long time, but now they've signed Peter Dinklage to be Toxie. I heard that. Which, <laughs> which I think could, could really be funny. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping it, you know, a lot of production is just on hold right now, just for until sure. you know people kind of get over this, uh, you know, COVID. But I know, you know, Troma is still a producer on, on it if it happens. Yeah. So they want me to be in a cameo at some in some way. I'm not sure, you know, if I would be like an old janitor in the building or no, a toxic dad or You got to be the handsome jerk who tortures Melvin. That's you now <laughs> with that sexy beard, dude. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I like about the idea of Peter Dinklage is he always brings like gravitas to everything, right? Like when he's in Elf, it's comedic, right. but he's serious. When he's in, in uh, Rouge, yeah. he's serious. And I think that like that's where Toxie works because he doesn't realize he's a joke through most of the movie. Like even in your part, you don't realize you're a joke. You think you're going to get your dick sucked. So I think that could be really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it could be too. I, at one point years ago, they were talking about a remake and Arnold Schwarzenegger was attached. <laughs> but I, I think Peter Dinklage is a much funnier, better idea. Oh, yeah. So. And way more in line with trauma, right? Like you don't get the kindergarten yeah. cop, right? That just doesn't make sense. Right. It's got to be humorous, you know, it's got to have satire. Exactly. It's funny enough. I've been rewatching the Toxic Crusaders. I didn't think that that was going to be on trauma now because, you know, I figured easily Lloyd had to have licensed that with somebody else who would hold at least some of the rights. But no, it's on there. And I realized something. Uh, I tracked it back to this is how bad of parents I had. Uh, even though I love them desperately, I was three years old when I first saw Toxic Avenger three. And I, you know, I hear that all the time. Like when I do <laughs> stuff, these, you know, these guys go, oh, I was watching that when I was five, you know, and I was like, really? Yeah. You've got awful parents. <laughs> <laughs> My wife always says I was raised by wolves. And I was like, no, I was actually raised by a bunch of guys from New York covered in slime. So you've been burned into my psyche. For the vast, over 90% of my life, congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. You know, and it's all kind of taken off again with when I started doing these conventions. Yeah, dude. Because I hadn't done them, you know, ever from the beginning. I never did one. And it's now been about five years ago, uh, the Mad Monster Convention 
in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Eben McGar, the guy that runs it, called me up out of the blue on my home phone. And I usually don't even answer my home phone. Yeah. But it said, you know, the caller ID said like monster something or other. So I was like, hmm, I wonder what this is. And, uh, you know, I said, hello. He was like, is this Mark Torgel? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm talking to you. My name's Evan, and I run this uh, convention. It's a monster convention in Charlotte. And you've got fans that want to meet you. Fuck yeah, and, dude. you know, you've got to do this, and we'll put you up and fly you out. You can sign autographs and make some money, and it's like a big party. And I was like, well, that sounds like fun. Uh, he was like, you've never done one, right? And I was like, no. And he was like, that's even better for us. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's your first one. And uh, as we were talking about it, I was like, well, could I document this? Because, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Of course. And he was like, yeah, sure. You know, and so. So Toxic uh, Tutu. My, exactly. Dude. And that, that's where it all started. I got my film uh, school buddy to come down and document it. And then we started doing more and more conventions and made up this fictional story with Toxic Tutu, the almost true story of whatever became of the Toxic Avengers, Mark Torgel. Yeah. And uh, and it's, you know, we we the backdrop, like I said, was mostly conventions. And then we, you know, we have this awesome fictional part to it. It's got it got made. It's got finished. It's Hell got yeah. released. And, you know, it's it's available. It's available streaming almost everywhere but Netflix. Um, but, yeah, right. Uh, and also it, you can get a DVD at Amazon. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm just so glad that it's out there. You know, it was it was a real it took about five years to finish it. Yeah. But uh, but it's out there. And you have this amazing career renaissance. Is it cool to see? Because you share the screen with Diana Prince in that movie, and she's had this great renaissance with uh, Joe Bob on Shudder. I mean, that's got to be exciting as well, right? That was really cool because she answered an ad. Troma asked me to do something for the 30, 25 or 30 year release of Toxic Avenger. And so I put a um, notice in, in the trades for to have some girls come and be with me to do this sort of recap for Toxic Avenger. And she answered it. And I didn't even know who she was at the time, but I found out, you know, at some point. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was the same time we were making Toxic Tutu. So, you know, we got her to be in Toxic Tutu, too. So it was really fun, you know. And um, yeah, Jake the Snake, the wrestlers in Toxic Tutu and a lot of the cast from Toxic Avenger, Bozo and Slug. Um, and um, the guy that the kid that got his head smashed by the car. Oh, righteous. Yeah, yeah. I The name escapes me, but we were literally just <laughs> talking about that on our show because we were comparing it to uh, the movie Rabbit Grannies. Right. This head's getting crushed by a car was funny. But in Rabbit Grannies, there's like this darkness because they're like manipulating this dead body. And so there's a lot that goes in there. But like, that's the great thing about Toxie is it's so short. It's so tight. Everything goes, you never feel dirty or bad or sad. It's like thrilling the entire time. And I've easily seen this movie over 40 times, like full viewings 40 times. It's really incredible what how it took off as a cult movie. But it's a weird cult movie because it's not like Rocky Horror. It's like the people that have seen it are huge fans. Yeah. And, you know, they, they know me. But, you know, the general public doesn't really know me, you know, if I'm walking. And it's kind of nice to have it that way 
you know, I can just be doing my normal thing. I live in Hollywood and if I'm just on the street, nobody like knows who I am. But if I go to these conventions, everybody knows who I am. You're so a fucking God. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> now I see lots of Toxie tattoos. Have you ever seen a Melvin tattoo? I have. And the scariest one was Melvin on this dude's leg. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and um, the that was actually the first convention at Mad Monster. And um, Evan, you know, the, the guy that runs it said something like, if this guy shows up, we may have to make sure Mark is extra secure. <laughs> <laughs> A very eager and zealous fan. Now, you know, we're talking about obviously the aesthetic of Melvin. Is it? empowering or kind of embarrassing to have been cast as the perfect nerd in all of cinematic history. I think I grew into the, the, you know, the, the um, history of it all. It, I think in the beginning it was kind of like, Oh God, what am I getting myself into here? But as the years go by, I've embraced, you know, the character and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool character because there's all this anti-bullying campaigns yeah. going up, things like that. So I mean, I wasn't even really an actor when I did that film. I don't know if you know the history of that whole thing or if you want to hear it. Of course. I was going to NYU film school and it was the year before Toxic Avenger. Troma put up a notice on our job board that said, come and work on a real film. Yeah. You won't get paid like you would on a real film. Classic but Uncle Lloyd, down, right? <laughs> yeah. But I went down there and I talked to Lloyd and Michael Hurd's. And they were like, oh, you go to NYU. What do you want to do on this film? It, it, it wasn't, they weren't even making monster films then. They were making like teenage sex comedies. Yeah, the skin flicks. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, I'd like to be the script supervisor so I could work with the director, which was Lloyd. Yeah. And he was, he was like, great, you can be a script supervisor. What else do you want to do? I was like, uh, I like writing. Good. You can write some extra scenes. What else do you, I was like, yeah, I should have said, can I direct? Yeah, you right. Know? <laughs> so I was, the script supervisor, it was called The First Turn On. And um, so I was there for the whole shoot. And there was a very major role. And the actor did not show up for it. Eesh. It was like the boyfriend of the camp counselor. And like I said, it was a pretty major role. And we waited and waited for this actor to show up. And finally, Lloyd said, Mark, you do it. And he that's said, how you became be Dwayne? Yeah. He said, just be over the top and nerdy. And uh and they loved what I did in it. And I mean, I did some acting in high school and stuff, so I wasn't complete virgin to acting, but they just loved what I did so much. And when they were casting for Toxic Avenger the next year, apparently Lloyd said they auditioned like a hundred kids and they were like, what we really wanted, what Mark did last year in the first turn on. They called me up and said, if you want it, you can have this part. It's a monster movie. I was like, great. Hell yeah. I was like, I'll do it. And uh, the rest is history. You know, it's, it really turned out, and uh, we had a blast doing it. And we didn't know if it was if it was going to be a cult film or the worst film ever made, <laughs> but it turned out to be a cult film. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Trauma has survived off of that movie, really. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, they've made a ton of other movies, but the the Toxic Avenger is the one that uh, really made it for them. So, yeah, absolutely. They've marketed, they branded off of it, they've spun off of it. And that's one of the things that's amazing to me is you see these people in the industry, like people like J.J. Abrams, people like James Gunn, people who will openly talk about in interviews. Oh, yeah. What inspired me was this shit. 
You know, I might be making billion-dollar movies now, but what started me, my interest is the first ever rated R superhero film. Does it piss you off when people try and give that homage to Blade? What the fuck is Blade, man? I, I don't know. It's uh, I just I just know what evolved with Toxic Avenger, and you know, just the joy I get out of like seeing fans at conventions, and you know, now I'm doing more movies and. Um, you know, it's just it's, things evolve. And the, if, if you're ever in New York and you happen to, to know where Lloyd Kaufman's townhouse is, there's a gargoyle of Toxie on the door. Yeah. In the archway, uh, right? Yeah. So rad. <laughs> and it looks like a gargoyle, which is kind of fitting. For oh, yeah. Him. I mean, it, it's it's, you know, obviously um, a professional gargoyle. Yeah. So, you know, it's like. So is it weird that people still kind of obsess over the, what was basically like an odd job for you 40 years ago? Or is it kind of like a fun time capsule to that part of your life? I, I think, you know, I think it is more like a fun time capsule, especially since I've sort of evolved, uh, you know, in in my later years here to create another movie, Toxic Tutu. And uh, and now all these other roles are becoming coming to me. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just having fun with it all now. Yeah. And so you were actually a script supervisor on Toxie as well, right? I was. Yeah. <laughs> when they said, do you want the part? I was like, oh, sure. Can I still be the script supervisor, though? And they're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Which is fantastic. So you actually got to see the entirety, even though you're really only in that blurb at the beginning, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it was so cool because, you know, I knew by seeing the whole thing that this was something different. Yeah. You know, something special and different. And uh, it was exciting to make, you know, we were all a bunch of young kids doing this, you know, for no pay, basically. And, and what became of it, you know, it's it's historical. So we loved it. And it's fun because, you know, here you get to see this unusual, let's say, superhero film. You get to oversee its entirety. You get to be the Peter Parker, if you will. Then years later, you get to edit Who Wants to Be a Superhero, the Stan Lee show that I think should have been the next fucking survivor. I watched every episode of that bullshit with Major Victory, whatever his name is, and it just fucking disappeared. Is that unjust? Oh, you've done your homework. Oh, yeah, um, every time. I mean, the reason it disappeared is because Stanley didn't want to do another season. But yeah, that was that was loads of fun. Uh, those characters were really creative, and most of that stuff came from their own heads. Yeah. So yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, and I'm an editor in Hollywood. I edit TV shows and stuff like that. That keep me afloat so the whole the whole journey has just you know been really good and i've been really lucky to you know be successful and stable you without selling your soul right you never had to get into like the gimmickry or like this this whole pseudo celebrity influencer thing is that cringier than watching a guy's head get crushed with a weight stack <laughs> you know i've never auditioned for a role every role i've ever gotten has been somebody calling me up to say, can you be in my movie? And that wow. happens with trauma all the time. You know, I've done other trauma movies. So it's kind of cool that I have never been on an audition. Yeah. Yet I've got quite a history, uh, you know, quite catalog of films that I've been in. Um, I was in Return to Return to Newcomb High Part yep. 2, which was a few years ago. So it's it's kind of a, like the perfect life for an actor to not have to be out, you know, pounding on doors trying to get work. You yeah. know, it just it just comes to me. It has the accessibility of being a hobbyist, but then you can actually like monetize it and be proud of it and share it with the world, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like setting up this uh, studio in my garage and doing interviews from my garage and I'll do little cameos. Some of the cameos I do, I do them right here in my garage. You know, it's just like me talking to my iPad, you know, (laughs) that's fantastic. In terms of like ambition, is there like a a kind of genre that you haven't gotten to explore that you think would be kind of fun as far as acting? Yeah, exactly. Um, Because I'm looking at the beard. I'm thinking maybe 310 to Yuma needs a sequel with you with a bandolero and some guns. (laughs) Well, you know, this thing I did for James Balsamo, which was Killer Waves 2. I was kind of like a futuristic bartender, like in this world where I was just like a sleazy guy, you know, like spitting and and doing just, you know, not monster stuff, but just like kind of down and dirty stuff. Which you also um, had a so, great pun of a name, if I may, with Wet Willie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, stuff like that. Yeah, certainly um, would be fun. Yeah, Westerns, maybe. Who knows? You know, it's just like, let's see what comes to me. You know, let's see what the universe brings to me. Exactly. You're like the the CN enemy. Just like, let the food come to me. I'm not fucking getting up from my coral reef. <laughs> exactly you got to put that on a resume also like never auditioned for shit because meanwhile <laughs> i'm interviewing motherfuckers like gene jones who are like i've interviewed fifteen thousand times and i have my method down and you're like yeah whatever it's gonna work out that's the, that's the biggest fucking flex i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah. now in terms of like editing is business consistent with covid have you been able to do that remotely I have. Well, actually, I was I work for a company called Entertainment Studios. Um, it's Byron Allen's company. I don't know if, if you know who he is. He, he was a comedian like in the 80s and he's just become this mogul, owns TV stations and he, but, you know, he distributes movies and everything else. And I've been working off and on for him uh, for about five years. And I was at first working in the studio because my computer at home was not really up to part of the other editors all started working from home. Yeah. But a few months ago, I finally upgraded my computer. So now I'm working at home and it's been steady. I haven't had to give up the paycheck, you know, so it's, it's all good. It's just, like I said, the karma works for me and uh, it's all good. You know? Yeah, man, that's got to be COVID shots the other day. So bravo. And you see it here, folks. He's not afraid of turning into a giant monster. So go get your goddamn COVID shots. This like anti-vax rhetoric. I don't have the fucking patience for it, man. Like people being like, oh, they're going to inject me with a microchip. Meanwhile, they type that from a cell phone that can track their location from goddamn space. Get out of my town. (laughs) On the topic, do you have a favorite conspiracy theory that's about nowadays? Oh, God. I try and stay away from them. I have friends that are always enlightening me to them but um i i I think not the pfizer one but the the other vaccine they're saying is killing people yeah and you know i don't really get involved with the conspiracy theories um especially now that trump is out of office yeah thank the lord it's so fun when like the headlines are like hey isn't it exciting that we don't have headlines i'm like yeah this is going to be a really interesting news cycle for a while here. Yeah, like things are like really back on track with like America, you know, it's not, it's about America. It's not about Trump. Yeah, we're not like the subtitle to the headline. It's like, no, America first, which is almost like that that slogan meant. But I digress. Right. Or I will fucking rant forever. 
Jesus Christ. I've been, like, there's this great subreddit where it's called the right camp meme. Even my conservative friends love it because it's all these fucking terrible memes and like political com- like comics and commentaries that just don't work. Like Ted Cruz trying to own going to Cancun. I'm like, you dumb fuck. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to calm down. Woosah. Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, well, I'm glad we're on the same team here. I never know, especially, you know, some of my fans are the ultra right wingers. But, you know, I got to love them all. So, yeah, like that's one of the things like I, I find that a lot of horror fans get into extreme ideologies. I find that my most liberal friends are super into horror and my most conservative friends are into horror or my most libertarian. Like It's always like an extreme. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm casually voting for Joe Jorgensen. It's like, ah, and, and like, I'm over here like a blathering socialist, like, give me Howie Hawkins or give me death. But uh, <laughs> now I have to ask you, I, I completely glazed over it. Costuming. I've never seen a superhero wear a tutu aside from Toxie. When you're sitting there, in a tutu, about to be doused in green fluid. Are you going, ah, oh, fuck, I'm definitely not getting paid enough for this? <laughs> you know what? No, because I had known, because I worked with Troma the year before. That helps, yeah. I knew anything was a possibility, and I just kind of went with it, you know, and, and tried to make it bigger than what they were even asking for. So, no, I just went over the top. Tutu, you know, at first, the first script, he was supposed to be naked. Really? Uh, I'm glad. Kind of made me glad that it ended up being a two. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you see later trauma stuff, like we just watched Terror Firmer, there's so much flaccid dick just flying around these movies that like that seems very on brand. You definitely lucked out with that too. Well, maybe yeah. you didn't. Maybe you wanted to show some hog and get those ladies, but <laughs> of course it would have been weird to have a naked uh toxic. So, you know, it made sense that, you know, yeah. he had heights in it too, too. Especially like scenes and scenes in where you're like, God, if I have to see that giant green callous <laughs> dick again. Now, one of my. Uh, there, there was the pissing scene of him in, in the alley pissing the green slime. So but good. But you didn't see the dick. You just saw it from behind. That's what needs to be in the remake is Peter Dinklage's giant callous dick spewing acid. <laughs> And if, if that does end up in the movie, I want a fucking writing credit because I know this show is super famous. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite production pictures ever is you and Mitch Cohen uh, when you're like half toxic and he's full toxic. Can you talk about like the experience of seeing somebody else pick up where you left off on a film and then also like have to be involved in sculpting his work? Well, you know, Mitch was a great guy. And, uh, and since I was a script supervisor, you know, I worked on all his scenes, we became good friends. So no, I mean, it it wouldn't have made sense for me physically to be toxic. It had to turn into a monster, you know, a giant monster. I I think it was appropriate that that's the way it was done. And when you guys came back for your cameos in Toxie 4, did you guys actually cross paths when he was playing Lucifer? Yes. I was only there for one afternoon to do that part, but, but he was there. And um, it was nice to see him. And also, at that point, Troma had become very famous. Yeah. When we made Taxi, it, you know, it wasn't really known that, you know, that well at all. So everybody that was working on the crew for Citizen Taxi, they were all fans. And so when I showed up, they were all so excited, you know, to be working with me, which was 
which is really nice. You know, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of love, and, uh, you know, had a great time. Now, um, consequently, Mitch seemed to have disappeared after that. Yeah. Because we've tried to get him, we wanted to get him in Toxic Tutu. And we, nobody knew how to get in touch. Someone said, well, I think he's selling vacuum cleaners now or doing real estate or something. But nobody knew. And Lloyd didn't know either. So uh, he just kind of disappeared. It, you know, the sad thing for him is I'm kind of the face of Toxie because he's got a mask on. Yeah. So nobody knows what he looks like, except there is a, a scene in Toxic Avenger where um, Toxie throws a sandwich through the air and it hits some guy in the kitchen in his face. Well, that's Mitch. So that's the only time his face is really even seen in the movie. And you got to love that. It's like it's a bit where it's basically like marginalizing him and his face, which that's high art for Uncle Lloyd, I thought. But now yeah. he, that guy's a fucking genius. Not only does he get people to work for free, he gets these people to pay to be on his sets. Have you ever in your years in Hollywood ever seen anything that like just genius? <laughs> uh, there's nothing like it. There's there's no play. You know, there's no company like Droma. No filmmakers like Droma. It's, you know, they're one of a kind. Absolutely. Anything that you're working on? Like you mentioned the macabre. There's also uh, I saw that the monkey's paw and beast, but I, I didn't go too in depth into those. Anything you want to plug for those? <laughs> the, ones? the monkey's paw is a, a radio play. And that is finished. I'm not sure where to hear that. I, I need to find that out. Beast, interestingly enough, was never made. And it's still, I know, on my IMDb. I should probably take it off. But then I always get questions about it. I was like, ah, I'll just leave it up. I think the guy that was making it died. Oh, so, Gary Levinson. I should probably, whoops. <laughs> so, so I think that's why it never got made. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting that that is uh, something that people ask me about all the time. I was like, yeah, doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, because so often on IMDb, you see a lot of those things, those like placeholders where there's no actual picture. And then you go and there's there's no stills. There's no people. But that right. movie has like a cast and crew and, you know, there's production stuff. And so it's like, all right, maybe it is happening. But fuck, dude, people don't know this. IMDb is the Wild West. We know our friends who made cyst a couple of those dudes had to make new imdbs because they couldn't couldn't get their names taken off of projects they never worked on like that's just the craziest thing now as an editor i'm sure you kind of get marginalized quite a bit i'm sure your imdb is more extensive in that capacity is that frustrating to you you don't get kind of the applause? no I, I don't i don't care i mean all all my acting roles are on imdb but all the stuff i do behind the scenes is not there but I don't really get over concerned with all that. You know, it's, it's just my day job, you know, and yeah. I've, I've worked on a ton of like TV shows, mostly like bad reality shows or, you know, clip shows and stuff like that. And I don't really, I mean, I, I guess I should keep it up to date, but it's just not on the forefront of my mind. And usually the reason I'm up there is because somebody else put it up there. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't have that kind of ego that everything I do has to be listed. What's one of the interesting things about editing? Because I've done a bit of it, you know, being able to put the things together almost feels more like making a puzzle than creating. In my experience, is that something that kind of you could share? Oh, definitely. It's it's so much like a puzzle. Uh, and often you're just trying to make something work that wasn't shot properly. Yeah. And 
And so it's definitely a puzzle, um, especially in I'm working on a show right now called The World's Funniest Weather. And it's really a clip show. It's like people's, you know, videos caught in, you know, snowstorms or ski accidents or stuff like that. And, you know, we really try and make them work, you know, with audio. We put all sorts of audio effects um, on it and, uh, you know, we zoom in on things. You know, it's all it's all manipulating it to make it the most entertaining. And I love it. I mean, I love it's it's like so opposite of being an actor. Yeah. Uh, because I'm usually sitting in a bay by myself. Uh, and, uh, and then when I go and do these conventions or, you know, something else, it's like the whole world is there, you know? Yeah. So. You feel like a little mollusk out of your show. Like, what is this giant scary world? But then, you know, you got your nice little cove when you get back with yeah. your editing. Yeah. But you bring up a great point. The The easiest way for you to tell if something is low budget is to listen to the audio. Cause God, damn like no plugins that echoey you know you you get the the sibilant sounds you can't get rid of and everything man bless your heart for having to listen to that stuff and make sense of it it's all about the audio sometimes we strip all the audio out of a clip and just recreate it with our own audio even voices especially on these clip shows so yeah i i'm a big believer in audio it's if any film doesn't have good audio it's just not a good film yeah it's you know i half the time when i'm editing i'm listening to the audio and not really even looking at the picture because it's it's just so important yeah or like i'm sure you get this cause especially if you're doing clip shows like when stuff's not perfectly in sync between the audio and the visual just getting that like meticulously correct can drive you crazy like you listen to the same half a second of audio 50 times and literally like your perception of reality shifts and you think you're falling into a hole. <laughs> oh yeah. You're all, I, you know, the, it's worse for somebody trying to watch you edit because you're going over the same, <laughs> you know, same five seconds, you know, a hundred times. They're like, what are you doing? I got to get out of here. You're driving me crazy. Yep. <laughs> but you know, when you're the editor, it's a creative process. So it's, you know, you're always in it, you know, it's not like um, you get tired of what you're doing because you're just trying to make art, you know, make something really beautiful. Well, especially an editor doesn't get the credit of the totality of it, right? You'll only get caught. Like people notice editing when it's bad. Very rarely will they compliment editing when it's good because they don't know what was cut out, what was shifted, what was changed. So they don't get to see the magic trick of it all. Like that's what I talk about with editing on podcasts. I listen to tons of podcasts. I listen to my contemporaries. I listen to those who are wildly better than me. And I listen to those who are wildly worse because I want to know where I stand. And if you're not willing to put in that work, you're going to sound like garbage and like this, like your kind of work without you, you literally just get garbage. that's filmed on cell phones sometimes, right? Oh yeah. Do you know that something is edited? Well, when you don't notice the editing, it's like, if you just get involved in the story and you're not saying, Oh, that's a weird shot there. Why is that? That's the best editing is when you don't notice it's being, you know, the shots are changing. Oh yeah. It's just, you're just in the story and you know, that's, really magical you know and i love doing it the one thing that takes me out of a movie more than anything is a bad adr where like you see the back of somebody's head and it's like like that's not the same volume that's not the same context that like it's just so bad do you have a cringy thing that you notice now that you've been an editor for so long Uh, well that's definitely one of them now we did some adr in toxic tutu that uh we had to keep redoing just because it 
it didn't look right. It wasn't working. But uh, that and um, just like, you know, bad screen direction, like somebody's looking the wrong way. You know, it's the cameras in the place. The, The fun thing is anybody can make a movie now on their iPhone. Crazy, right? You know, and the quality is really good. You know, it's like better than like the old video cameras that you used to pay, you know, thousands of dollars for. Yeah. Uh, So you see a lot of content out there. So there's also a lot of room for like, oh, my God, why would you even put this out? (laughs) Dude, The money you're saving on not having to buy film, you could buy masking tape. You put the tape where the people are and then you go scene to scene and you recreate. It drives me fucking crazy when I see a guy who's looking this way. And the next shot, he's looking that way. And the next shot is, oh, sorry, this isn't very good podcasting. But for those of you who can't figure it out, I'm pointing in every which direction. And I'm not talking about a character who's cross-eyed. That's the one pass I'll give you if you're looking in different directions. Yeah. Well, I hope this ends up on some kind of video um, uh, venue at some point. It's been fun talking to you. Absolutely. I'm going to make absolutely certain that this happens. In fact, and I want to make sure people see my studio in my garage. <laughs> it's some sexy shit, man. I'm also recording from my fancy garage studio. But I got to say, I, I absolutely oh, yeah. love this picture of you with the mailbox. Oh, yeah. Please promote Toxic Tutu. It's, it's, it's available amb- on Amazon. And it's ambitious as shit. Like, it's so cool to see. Like, it's the very hungry caterpillar, right? You came out of that fucking cocoon. And you burst forth like this beautiful butterfly covered in slime. You're like, look at me. I can still make movies. (laughs) Do you have any parting words of wisdom for the mutant goons from beyond? Oh, just keep being weird. That's that's it. You know, I love our weird world, our weird horror world. And uh, when I'm around um, horror fans or horror makers, I'm just in my element and it's just a beautiful world you know so just just keep being strange it's the best that's literally the best advice i can give thank you so much for your time Uh, you always have a home here if you're promoting anything in the future like when macabre's coming out if you ever want come on back we'll be happy to host you oh great uh it's been my pleasure and nice meeting you um you just have a wonderful day you as well my friend thank you